Hello and welcome to the CrossFit Chilton podcast. My name is Jeremy Riley and I've been a fitness coach since the early 2000s. I've given over 15,000 hours of sessions and I want to use my experience to help you guys get fitter, happier and healthier. Today guys, I want to talk about working on our weaknesses. One of the great things about CrossFit is that it's constantly varied training. But that gives us a lot of movements to master to get better at the sport. When I see people coming to open gym, I see lots of different ways of using that spare time, that extra time you're training to try and get better. And some of that time I think could be more efficiently spent. The most common thing I see done in open gym is some kind of epic workout with bags and bags of volume. Is that going to get you where you want to be as quick as possible? I think personally, it's unlikely. Doing a hero wad every time you come to a Saturday workout on open gym isn't necessarily going to improve your work capacity as efficiently as it could be. What I like to see, first of all, is to identify areas we need to improve. And that doesn't mean we just have to add tons of volume onto our week. When I program the weekly workouts for our members' classes, I look at the picture as a whole. I look at what we need to work on, making sure that we're covering all the elements of training. That's not just the, the, the lifts and the major movements, but it's also the movement patterns. Are we doing enough horizontal pulling, vertical pulling, vertical pressing, horizontal pressing, squat patterns, hinge patterns, lunge patterns, carrying grip strength? Are we hitting all those areas? And across the board, I'm looking to make sure that we're covering all those areas well enough that I will see improvement across the board in people's fitness. Those of you that are training frequently enough in classes, you're going to get plenty of volume across those areas to improve. But if you want to accelerate your progress, then you need to look at the holes in your game. When we talk about fitness, in CrossFit, we talk about work capacity. That's the ability for you to move load over distance in the shortest amount of time possible. That's how we measure your ability to get fitter. So if you're doing a back squat for one rep, the time it takes will be very similar for every single rep, so that's not gonna change. The distance it moves, unless you suddenly get taller, is not gonna change. So the load increasing means that your work capacity will be improving. In other workouts, you might do the same load and move faster, and that will also show that your work capacity is improved. And if you're moving over a greater distance on maybe like a AMRAP, then again, you're going to show an improvement in work capacity. And we want to see that. So when we're looking to add extra training into our weekly schedule, we want to be efficient. We want to triage our faults and look at what's the best way for me to get fitter and what's the quickest way. So we have to identify where we are slipping up. And we can do that by using our data we have on sugar wads, a really good tool to look at. And you can get a general picture on there where you're lacking. If, you, if you've looked at some of my previous blogs, you'll see I've, I've done a blog many years ago now, probably three years ago or so, about what you should be lifting. And that's a very rough Excel spreadsheet that will tell you pretty much based on your deadlift numbers and your squat numbers, where you should be as an average throughout the rest of your lifts. So if you see, going through that list, you see that 
you're deadlifting a good number, you're squatting a good number, uh, but your overhead squat is massively down, then we can identify that that is maybe an area it needs to improve. If, for example, we're looking at our gymnastic side of things and we know that we've got really good push-ups and we can get a handstand press-up, but we can't get a pull-up, then maybe we need to look at a pulling strength. We need to identify where we are missing elements in workouts. So when we look at a workout, we think, okay, look at the RX of that workout. I'm pretty close to getting to RX on the weight for a power clean, um, but if it's an overhead squat, I'm miles away. Or I can do all of the weights in the workout at RX, but as soon as there's a gymnastic movement, I have to be scaling. We need to identify where those weaknesses are so we can hit it. Tomorrow, uh, there was a discussion on the Facebook group about people not having double unders tomorrow. Well, that is an obvious hole in your game that you need to work on if you're looking to get better at CrossFit as a whole. Obviously, don't need to be, don't have double unders in your life to be the fit, to be as fit as you want to be. Maybe you never want to do double unders and you can ignore that. That's absolutely fine. But if we're looking at getting better at CrossFit as a whole, then and double unders is definitely an area where some people have holes and they can't do a workout at double unders, then that is a key area to work on. So that's where you need to be targeting and hitting your weaknesses. But the problem is people love to do the stuff they are good at. It makes you feel good to do stuff well. When you get praise and you, you're near the top of the leaderboard, you're going to want to do that more and more and more. And that's just human nature. We gravitate towards the stuff we are good at and we gravitate away from the stuff that we're not so good at because that is harder, that is a bit more embarrassing than doing stuff that you're really, really good at. We need to go head on into that weakness and hit it hard and not be afraid of having to take a hit to our ego by reducing the weight and embarrassing ourselves by working on stuff that we're going to look pretty bad at for a while. So we're going to need to identify weaknesses. Now, for myself, I do this on a regular basis. I did this, I did this on, a, on a very regular basis, but one of the things that obviously all of you know as a whole for me was double under, so I worked on that many, it took me much longer than it should take a normal person, but I got there in the end, but it took many hours of work. And now it's still, a, still not a strength. If it comes up in a workout, it's definitely still a weakness to me, so it needs more improvement, but it's not a major hole in my game. It's not going to stop me in my tracks it just means that i won't finish high network so i still have to be working on it and those of you that see me train know that i still do that as part of my training other areas i knew i was weak at was the gymnastic side of things I, I, for me I, I want to make sure that i can do all of the movements that i'm coaching so muscle ups were a big weakness for me i'm working on those and i feel like i've got better at those definitely under rings working on the bar side of things that's quite obviously i've been training a bit longer for most than most of you that are training but they're they're my obvious weaknesses but i'm going to go even simplify that even more and break it down into the areas that i think most people should be looking to work on because you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck now i'm not sure if you can see this on the video here so i'm going to call out what we're doing but i think there's really four main areas that we can look at and then we've got some specific areas for some gymnastics movement down here. Four main areas that we can look at improving that will give us the biggest bang for our buck. Number one on that list that we should be looking at improving, and we're going to have a little challenge this month on this, is the air 
squat. The body weight squat. This has a huge carryover into other movements. Okay, if we can improve the air squat, it's going to massively improve all of our Olympic lifts. So front squat is going to improve and therefore that's going to translate into your clean. Overhead squat is going to improve and that's going to translate into your snatch. And we're also going to get better at wall balls and thrusters because if we are more upright when we are squatting down, then we're going to transfer that power to the barbell or the ball more efficiently than if we're rocking forward like this when we're squatting and we're standing up having to recorrect and press from there. Much more efficient in the overhead squat, much more efficient in getting under the bar and the snatch and the clean. It's going to make a huge difference in your CrossFit performance, your ability to do a basic body weight squat better. And I don't see many people doing squat therapy outside of class. Our challenge this month is going to be to get people in the bottom position of a squat on a daily basis. More on that at the end of the video. But yes, the air squat is a huge thing to improve upon. And before we do anything else, we want to make sure that our squat is good. Because it also translates onto this next element that I think needs to improve. And that is the front rack position. So we're talking about the air squat. What about when we're getting the bar in this front rack position here? Well, that's going to translate to obviously our front squat. If we can't get the bar on that front rack position, and I know that there's a couple of people that can't do it due to some kind of injury, and that's absolutely fine. In that case, you just have to do what you can, and we can adapt to the training of you. But if you haven't got a, an injury that is a skeletal position that prevents you from getting in there, you can definitely improve your front rack position. That's going to improve your front squat. It's going to massively improve your ability to clean the bar and hugely improve your push press, push jerk as well. Really, really key area to improve. Um, I've put in there thrusters as well, just because working on that front position generally gets people into a bit of bed position with the ball. They won't let the ball drop down here if they're used to having a good front rack in there. And as a little side note, if you're doing lunging, having a better front rack, it's going to improve that as well. But for the Olympic list, for the cleans, the clean and jerk, you have to have a good front rack position to transfer that power on there. Equally as important and linked really to the front rack is overhead mobility. Overhead mobility is going to really, if you're lacking it, it's going to hinder all of these movements here. Overhead squat, be hugely hindered by the overhead mobility. But if your air squat is decent, you won't need as much overhead mobility. We see people with amazing body weight squats and terrible overhead mobility be able to overhead squat a decent load in spite of their poor mobility. So air squat is still, I would say, the number one priority for most movements. You're going to improve, obviously, your snatch. You're going to improve all of your presses because you're going to be much more efficient if you can press up here than if you're having to lean back and press from there. Thrusters, push press, push jerk, uh, especially push jerk when you're having to drop underneath that bar like so. Handstands. If you cannot 
get your arms over here with your abs engaged, it's going to be very difficult for you to hold a handstand and then come press out into a handstand press up um, and handstand walks. And in addition, we're looking at other gymnastic movements like kipping, pull-ups and muscle-ups. Well, if you can't get forward on the rack there, then you're going to struggle to create the power that you need to get those three high, higher skill gymnastics movements. So really, really important. Go back to the air squat, gymnastic movement there, the pistol. If you can't do an air squat, don't be trying to do a pistol because you need to get that bit right first. It's no good me trying to do an air squat, trying to do a pistol when my air squat isn't up to scratch. So I need to get that perfect before I start worrying about the other side. Now, if we look at those three key areas as, as the main things we can improve, air squat, front rack, and, and overhead mobility, first thing it's going to do, it's going to mean you can move the load more efficiently, whether that's just your body weight or whether that's a barbell or any other weight. And therefore, if you can move more efficiently, you can move more weight and you can move that weight faster. Therefore, you can improve your work capacity and you can get fitter and it will show on your workout scores. And you can get the same score with less effort, okay? Or you can get the same effort and get a better score. So you will be more efficient and massively important, massively, massively important, is your risk of injury will be greatly reduced. Because if you're squatting with your weight shifting onto your toes, your knees kicking in, your spine rolling forward like that, your risk of injury is incredibly high. And if you're coming in with that sort of squat form, and then you can't get the overhead without leaning back and extending your lower back and lumbar spine like so, and you think, oh, I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna go into a squat where I'm dropping my toes, my knees are caving inwards, and my arms are wobbling because I can't hold that bar overhead, then you doing your hero workouts like that, you're gonna have an injury. And then what you also have when you have an injury, you're gonna take time off or you have to adapt every single workout to fit and you go backwards for all the work you've put in, all that volume you've put in, you then gotta cut your volume right down and you're gonna take another step back to the bottom of where you were before. We want to be consistent in our training. We wanna reduce the amount of injury so we can train as long and as often as we'd like, okay, with good recovery in there, obviously, and that's gonna make us fitter and make us improve. So it's really, really important we improve these areas first and foremost. Now, how do we improve it? Well, I am not one to be spending hours on my mobility. That is boring AF. If you want to do that, then by all means do that and you will get benefit from that. But I'm all about being efficient with my time and I've spent many years training people and training myself, and I say it many times, the best thing you can do to improve a movement pattern is to work on improving the movement pattern. If you want to, if you've got tight ankles and you're doing an air squat and it's struggling, then yes, spend a bit of time mobilizing your ankles before you then do some better squats. Why are we doing so much squat therapy in the warm-ups? Because squat therapy works at getting people to squat better. But and I say this when I'm training people in class, most people waste the warm-up. You get people to do a warm-up, and unless you're on their case, they'll be doing the warm-up like this. You'll say, okay, let's do some squats. 
it's morning, 6.30 in the morning, drop down. Don't even go below parallel, not stiff. Do some overhead pressing, you get the bar out, the bar's coming forward like this, not even extending their arms, they're like, it's an empty bar, doesn't make a difference. PVC pipe, who cares? Most people will not work on their mobility at home, let's be honest. You might do yoga once on a video and then think that's amazing, I feel great. You might do it for three days and then most people give up. There are a few exceptions, so if you are one of the exceptions that you get your mobility bands out, you're flossing, you're rolling out, you're doing your rhomboids, you're doing your um, pails and rails, great. That is going to be hugely beneficial for you. But I'm talking to the normal person on the street who will go home and their idea of mobility will be maybe do one stretch once a month for 30 seconds each side. And that's their mobility work for that month. So you have to put in the time when you've got the time. When you're here in the box, every single rep that you're doing that is low intensity, so the warm up, you should be putting 100% effort into making sure the quality of that is perfect. If you can make that small improvement in every session, you're doing that consistently over time, you will get better. Yes, you can accelerate that by adding in extra training, by doing stuff at home, but the minimum effective dose would be for you to work on quality movements in the warm-up. So please, if you see squat therapy in the warm-up, Make every effort to make the best possible squat you can with your torso staying upright, with your knee, feet driving into the floor and driving your knees out, squeezing your abs nice and tight, keeping that chest up. All of those things that the coach is saying that you get below parallel, keep your heels down, listen to those and try and apply it. And then when you're left to build up your reps in a squat, you've got an empty barbell and they say, work your weight up. Why not work on every single rep being perfect whilst that bar is still feeling light? The same for your overhead mobility, rather than doing the warm-up like, oh, five reps, coach. All right, five reps, brilliant. Okay, now, da, 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 da. now load the bar up. Okay, warm-up, warm-up. And then you do one rep where you're thinking about it, where it's getting quite heavy and you think, oh, coach just told me to keep this. So I'm going to do one rep. Rather than do one rep well, why not do every single rep you can well, and then maybe when the intensity goes a bit too high, then the form might slip down by a percentage. But we want to be working, fighting towards improving positions. Improve that front row. When the coach says to you, get your elbows up and around, going, oh, I can't be bothered, it's too hard. Work to get it up. It's in under the PVC pipe, press that bar up. Put the effort into the warm-up. Put 100% into your warm-up, and that will translate, and you'll remember maybe 1% of that for your workout itself, but that 1% will improve you by a little tiny bit each time, and you'll get better. So let's make sure... We're putting the effort into our warm-up. I hate sloppy warm-ups. People that just go through the warm-up, I turn around and they finish the reps, and I haven't seen one of their reps because they've gone 100 mile an hour and it looks like crap. So let's have some time and some diligence into making sure we're moving well when we have the opportunity to, because like I say, most of us are not going to work on it at home. Most people might watch it on, spend more time watching videos on mobility on Facebook than we spend doing mobility at home so let's put the time and effort into moving well okay so let's establish that is the best way to improve is to be diligent in what we're doing and also if you come to open gym why not incorporate good movement patterns into your warm-up and also into your workout the other thing i would say is that when you are training by all means in some workouts be as competitive as you can be but in other workouts why not spend a little bit of time thinking right today I'm going to just work on better form throughout. I'm going to make sure that every single rep is a rep, first of all. I mean, how many times 
do we see a workout where I saw, you know, see 50 no reps in a row, okay? Make sure that every rep you have is a rep. That's the number one. Are you hitting a range of motion of standards in there? And how are you working on those quality movements? Because we all get caught up in the leaderboard and we forget about quality. So let's make sure, and I'm guilty of that as well. So if you see me do a workout with crap form, please call me out on it. Um, you'll see plenty, especially when you do bar facing the burpees. Um, so that's a key area. So our, the three things, air squat, front rack, overhead mobility, make sure we're hitting those and trying hard to get those right because that's going to make us more efficient. The other thing we're looking at in terms of where is our time best spent? And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I talk about nutrition all the time and we're going to have a nutrition challenge later. But if you have a weakness in any body weight movement, anything, any body weight movement at all that's moving your weight, so that could be pull up, press up, toes to bar, hands down, press up, dips, muscle ups, burpees, box jumps, rope climbs, air squat, pistol, I don't know if I said running, running, any of those movements, double unders as well, if any of those is a weakness, and if all of those are weakness, and you're not looking at your body composition, you are missing the easiest way to get better at all of those movements. So if you want to get chest up, uh, sorry, pull-ups, chest ups, chest bar pull-ups, pull-ups, and your body fat is high, okay, higher than we want it to be, so give you a rough idea, CrossFit Games athletes, the guys are somewhere below 10% and the girls are somewhere between 9 to 12 to 13%. If we're more than that, we can't be expecting to be as good at bodyweight movements as a CrossFit Games athlete. I'm not saying we need to be as low as that, but definitely it's much easier to lose five kilos in weight for most people than it is to gain five kilos in strength. It's quicker. All right. So we do have to look at our nutrition. And if we're lacking strength and we're not consuming enough protein and enough fuel in our diet and enough good fuel, then again, we need to look at our nutrition. And those of you that are doing mass volume workouts because you want to improve what you look like in your body composition, but yet you're not spending that time working on your food, you're much better going out there. Rather than coming in for gym for an hour, spend an hour planning and prepping your snacks for the week. And that will give you a much better improvement in your work capacity because we're looking at fitness, okay? Force time, distance, divided by time. I know we're reducing our load, but if we are lighter, we will move faster, okay? So we need to look at our body composition. And obviously that's gonna hit a lot of health markers as well. It's gonna make us healthier. It's gonna make us live longer. It's gonna make our joints feel better as well if you're suffering from joint pain. Another thing you need to look at. So I'm not gonna go over that nutrition side of things, but if you have a goal and it's improving your gymnastic movements and your body fat is too high, please look at body composition because that is the key. Now a little bit, some little tips for you now for those people that are desiring some of the more high skill gymnastic movements. And we need to look how far away we are from certain movements. And I've talked in previous ones about pull-ups and muscle-ups and all those areas. So just gonna go over this quickly, but what are the things people are looking to get better at? Well, first of all, pull-up is loads of people's goal to be able to do a pull-up. We talked about body composition. That is number one, all right? Don't be trying to do a pull-up if your body weight is too high to do that pull-up. The taller you are, 
the leaner you need to be to be able to do a pull-up. It's easier for short people with short levers to do pull-ups. So we need to look at that first of all, but then what are we doing? We do loads of this stuff in class to improve, but what can you do? The basic things we need to look at are hollow holds because we need that strong tight midline because then if we're tighter and stronger, it's much easier to pull up and over the bar. If you've ever picked up a human being, I've picked up normal human beings, drunk human beings, and I've picked up professional dancers. And I tell you what, those ones that are professional dancers are much easier to pick up because they're not wobbling around. They've got a stable midline. Okay. Well, you're picking yourself up. If your midline's not stable, it's much harder to pull that. So we want to make sure that we're working on our midline stability. So hollow holds, hold them at hollow position. That will translate into a lot of gymnastic movements as well, like handstands and toaster bar. So really you should be working on those hollows. Bar hangs. Grip strength is key. Carries as well. Same, working on the grip strength. So anytime you're doing a carry, anytime you're doing a heavy deadlift, and anytime you're doing anything that's training your grip strength, you are working yourself towards a pull-up. So we can count that as part of our pull-up training. You could put alongside those bar hangs as well, scapular pull-ups, those movements where we're pulling our shoulder blades together because that is activating those muscles, getting that shoulder active to help us to pull. So really, in the warm-up, when you hear scapular pull-up, don't just hang on the bar. I'm going to hang up here, let me bring up the camera, and just go. Yeah, that is not the scapular pull-up. That's just you flapping around. So think about my muscles in my middle and upper back. Drawing those shoulder blades together, holding a hollow position, coming down, back up and down. Focus on quality in your warm-up. We're going back to that message as we did before. Other areas we can work on if you're in open gym, depending on how far away you are. Any kind of row, whether that's a barbell row, a ring row, an inverted row using a bar across the rack, single arm dumbbell row, you know, kind of anything that's rowing is going to work those muscles towards that pull-up. So you should be implementing that into your training. Obviously, we do that in our training. When you're doing any pull, like a clean or a snatch or a sumo deadlift high pull, they are all training similar muscles. So don't think, oh, I haven't done pull-ups for a while. What are we doing to improve that? We are doing that but you can add accessory work in there as well. If you're doing your scaling for the workouts, mix between band assisted. If you are close enough to a pull-up to be able to use a single band, if you're using multiple bands, you're probably not going to get much better. Uh, and also toe assisted is a really good way to train that, making sure that you're doing as much of the work as you can with your upper body and just using those toes just enough to get over and up, up and over. That is a really great way to build strength. And then if you are close to a pull-up, and the chin-up becomes before a pull-up for most people because the way the muscles recruit is more easy with the chin-up. So the chin-up is the next step. You can look at doing negatives, which is where you jump up and slowly control down, and an iso or an isometric where you hold yourself up at the top of a pull-up for a few seconds, and then you can add a negative in there or you can just come straight down. But those kind of hangs are also going to train those positions. So when you're hanging at the bottom position, hanging at the top position, you're building that strength. One little um, disclaimer is, don't do negatives in a workout because there'll be too many reps and your chance of getting uh, muscular fatigue and muscular injury and rhabdo, which you may have heard of CrossFit, which is a, not a nice thing to get and really bad doms, is too high. So when you're doing negatives, you would do that in the context of the strength part of the workout rather than when it's you know 10 rounds of 10 pull-ups. You wouldn't want to do 100 pull-ups um, negatives because you will give yourself some injuries. So there's a pull-up. 
Toast divide is another one we look at. L-sit supports. So that's when we're pressing down and holding that support to hold that shoulder strength there. A basic support on two boxes is going to be a good way to go. Again, those hollows and also the arch working on those two positions. We go back to the overhead mobility in there as well. And just any time you've got a workout doing strict leg and knee raises, all of those are going to build you towards it. But I think a lot of times the big thing is being able to create that hollow with the press down. It's going to be really important for people. That's a lat strength thing. So the match you can drive back for that kipping toaster bar is really important. But we want to try and build the ability to do it strict as well. So it's that hip flexor and abdominal strength that's going to build that in. So we can do that. We can add in your workouts like that. So, and then for handstand press-ups, those of you that want to do a handstand press-up or just a handstand in general, first of all, we need to make sure we've got the strength to do that so we can build overhead carries. You can do your box holds. You can do uh, inchworm and a bear crawl is the basic start position. So really any warm-up. When we get an inchworm, don't just be sloppy on that. Focus on those high hips, those straight legs. Improving your inchworm, believe it or not, is also going to improve your ability to do a toaster bar because what you're doing with an inchworm while you're bringing your hands close to your feet. So you're getting that range of motion there and you're using these muscles here to pull those together. So again, think about the warm-up, think about how that translates as a transfer across the different movements. Anytime you're doing work on a handstand press up, any press, any overhead carry, um, anytime you're doing some stuff on the rings, like a ring support, is building that stability. We look as a, one of the progressions for getting a handstand press up is actually and handstand press ups is to be able to do ring dips. If you can't do ring dips, then a handstand press up could be too advanced for you. So we want to make sure you've got that. The other thing to make sure you can do is don't aspire to do a handstand press up until you can do press ups. It's really important you can do good form press ups with your elbows coming down, chest coming to the floor before you even think about going over there. I mean, the hands press is an incredibly advanced movement. So you need to make sure you can do the basics first. So build those progressions up. How many strict press-ups, and I mean strict press-ups, I don't mean press-ups that we see sometimes in Murph, I mean good press-ups, can you do? Then you can move on to wall walks, you can move on to how long you can hold a handstand wall facing, kicking up to that. All of those positions are really, really key before you get to handstand walk. So think about the progressions you're working on and that's the thing, if you feel like you're miles away, then break it down into the different movements and work your way up. So if you're miles away from a pull-up, get yourself a pendly row, which is the one where you go down to the floor and pull it from the floor. See what weight you can pendly row strict without losing your form. See how horizontal you can get on a ring row and how many ring rows you can get from a perfectly flat position. If you can't do it from there, bring your feet back and mark where your feet are on a certain set of rings. See how many you can do from that position and just try to improve your progress there. The best way to sort of feel an improvement is to measure it. So by looking at how many reps you've got of a certain movement and then building up to that, you can see those steps to improvement. If you're just sort of hoping that one day you'll turn up to do a pull-up, it's a long jump from just being able to do a ring row to doing a pull-up. You need to build those layers in between. But you need to add those elements into your training. The simplest way, because we have to triage this, there's so many things to do. We have to find out, okay, what is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck out of all of those things we want to improve. We do need to isolate certain areas. If you've got everything to improve upon, don't think I've got to improve everything. Think, okay, what am I going to hit? What's going to get me most bang for my buck today? So for me, I'm working on the squat. 
because I feel like that's a huge area for me and I'm working on the bar muscle up. Two things I need to do. I know that my Olympic lifts are all weak relative to my um, normal lifts, but that's not my priority because I know that until I get my squat better, I've got no right to even think about the Olympic lifts in there. Um, now for my bar muscle ups, my big thing is my ability to kip. So I'm working purely on that kip because again, although I can do bar muscle up, it's ugly. So I'm working on improving my kip and I'm working on um, my air squat. And the other thing I'm working on is my handstand hold because I want to get that so I can do handstand walks better. So there's my three things. And what I will do is I will put them into an EMOM. If you don't know what EMOM is, I'm not crossing it very long. It's every minute on the minute. And all I would do is very simply pick two movements to improve, do one on one minute and do one on the other minute. So I'll do two things that are uh, complementary to other, not gonna be redundant. So I'm not gonna do handstand press-ups and handstand holds together or those sort of things because they're not they're gonna hurt each other, it's gonna make it harder. So I'll maybe do on the first minute five squat therapy reps. And on the second minute, I would do five kip swings for my bar muscle ups. And I might do that for 10 minutes. I might do five sets of each, alternating each minute. And then for the second EMOM, that'll give me 10 minutes first, and then I might do a second EMOM. I'll do something simple like um, a handstand hold, followed by, for me, I might do double unders. As my other, other area of practice, I might do 30 seconds of double unders. And the great thing about mixing those two up is that when you're trying to rehearse something for a long period of time, it gets boring. Double unders especially is frustrating. If you give yourself only a set amount of time, then you're not going to get frustrated. It makes it a bit more enjoyable, and that's put those into those workouts. So I'll keep maybe two to four movements, and I'll work on those in an EMOM style. I'll keep the workout short. And the key thing if you're working on improving your skills is to keep the intensity low because you need the quality to be the focus. But I really want to take some time, think about what is stopping you getting better at certain areas of CrossFit and identify those and think, okay, I'm gonna put some time into that and fit that into your schedule. Now, what we're going to do as a challenge for the next um, 30 days, and I'll announce that more formally in a post, is we're going to do the squat challenge, and that's going to be accumulating five minutes at the bottom of a squat every day, and we're looking to improve that. But I'm gonna put that in a separate post for everyone because I feel like I need to demonstrate that a little bit more with you guys. But for now, we need to go back, go to the drawing board, think about areas you can improve to get more efficient at your CrossFit, and that's gonna get you fitter, it's gonna get you better results, and it's going to get you with a lower risk of injury. All right, hope you found that useful, guys. I, I really wanna see everyone getting better. I wanna see everyone spending their time in the gym efficiently and not just coming in and dumping tons of volume getting injured and then going over two weeks and I won't see them. So let's make sure we're doing stuff right, make sure we're getting fitter. And if you've got any questions, please put them in the comments or drop me an email, jeremy at crossfitchildren.com and I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. You can follow CrossFit Children on our social media channels, Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram at the.jeremy.riley. 
If you've got any questions for future podcasts, please leave them on our social media and I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks, guys.